For these last couple of weeks, we've been working through this New Testament book of James. And for all of you sitting here, for all of you watching me online right now, uh, the goal of this series is pretty basic. It's to help you develop an active faith, right? A faith that's going to take God's wisdom and God's solutions right out of the Bible and put it to work in your day-to-day life. And we've learned a lot from the book of James. I mean, in week one, we learned that God can take even those times of adversity, those difficult, painful experiences, and use them to actually bless us. In week two, we learned that God provides us with his word, the Bible, to not only fight against, but even overcome temptations. Week three, we learned that we shouldn't be playing favorites with certain groups of people over and against other groups of people, but we should reflect Jesus' love to everyone equally everywhere. Week four, we learned about our words, and we have to be careful with how we use our words. We should be constructive with our words, use our words in a way that's going to honor God and bless others. And then last week, Pastor Dave was here, and he talked about using godly wisdom, not just any old wisdom, but godly wisdom in your relationships so that they remain healthy and strong. All right, today, we're shifting out of chapter 3 into chapter 4. There's only five chapters, by the way, in the book of James. Uh, Pastor Mark will be here next weekend. He'll talk about uh, the topic in chapter 5. I'm just going to look at the first 10 verses, those verses that Pastor Mark read a moment ago from James 4. But in these opening verses of chapter 4, James identifies not just the reasons behind arguments and conflicts and tension that we feel with other people, but also the remedy. And that's huge, right? Because conflict and happen, uh, conflict and arguments happen all the time. I can tell you in the 30 plus years of ministry, I've counseled many married couples. And in that time, one of the more common complaints that I will hear from couples is, you know, we're always arguing. We, we love each other, but we just, you know, we have these major explosions or blow-ups over these minor little issues. Why is that, Pastor? Or I've talked to parents who feel this tension going on with their teenagers, and they say to me, you know, Pastor, I just feel like we're constantly butting heads over everything. Well, the good news is that James addresses this. Any kind of conflict, any kind of tension or argument that you might have with a, a family member, a spouse, coworker, neighbor, friend, James addresses it here in these opening verses of chapter four. And, and if you've been with us in this series, then you know that James doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't sugarcoat things. Just goes, boom, right to the point. And in chapter four, verse one, he gets right to the point. Look at what he says. Here He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So, you know, right off the bat, James identifies the reason why we have conflict and tension and arguments with other people, right? Arguments happen because of conflicting desires, those conflicting desires that we have within each and every one of us. It's when your conflicting desires and wants or your, your desires and wants conflict with somebody else's desires and wants. And in chapter four, James also then identifies some of those more basic or common desires that we have. And these can be legitimate desires, okay? But they can also lead to conflict when they take control of our life. So we have to be careful because I'll tell you, when they take control of your life and they uh, become more important than somebody else and their feelings, that's when sparks start to fly. 
That's when, that's when conflict happens. So, for example, one common desire that James presents and mentions is simply the desire to have. And again, th- this desire can be a legitimate desire for the different things that God wants you to have, to enjoy, and to use. But when your desire for those things becomes so important that you start to manipulate and control other people to get those things, okay, that's when things go haywire and it's, and it's wrong. James says it this way. Look at what he says. This is chapter 4, verse 2. He says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. It's just so interesting. James wrote these words 2,000 years ago, and they are so true today. I mean, because of uh, you know, social media and TV commercials and peer pressure, the desire to have is enormous for people today, just like it was 2,000 years ago. And, and um, the point that James is making is if you're going to base your life on this desire to have, right, on the things that you have and comparing your things with the, pe- the things that other people have, you'll never be happy, you know, with no matter how much you get. And it's going to lead to tension. Your desire to have things that other people don't have or that they have and you want, it's going to lead to conflict and arguments. So just heads up, be careful with that desire to have. The second common desire that James mentions is this. It's a desire to feel good. And again, there's nothing wrong. This can be a legitimate desire, right? There's nothing wrong with having uh, to want to experience pleasure from the blessings that God longs to pour out into your life. 1 Timothy 6, 17, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, right? However, like your things, when your desire for pleasure and feeling good becomes top priority, guess what's not going to be far behind? Conflict and arguments, okay? You're first, get out of my way. James says it this way in uh, in verse 3, he says, your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure, And I'll tell you right now, when your desire for your pleasure that you want is not met the way you want it, tensions rise. I mean, think about it. That's why husbands and wives will sometimes argue over sex in a marriage. The desire for pleasure and affection is strong. And when that need isn't met, it can lead to disputes and fighting and resentment. Be careful with your desire to feel good. The third common desire is the desire to matter. And again, like those first two desires, this is a legitimate desire. There's nothing wrong with wanting to matter, wanting to feel valued in the eyes of people and, of course, God. But like those first two desires, this desire can also become corrupt and become something called pride. Yeah, and when pride takes control of your life, it's all about you. And you don't want to just matter. You want to matter more than everyone else. That's pride. Pride. In Proverbs 13, verse 10, it says, pride leads to arguments. And actually, as a Christ follower, pride can create two serious problems in your walk with Jesus. And James addresses these in verses 2 and 3. Look, at he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Did you catch the two pride problems? First problem because of pride is you don't pray. And you don't because of your pride. Because of your pride, you feel you don't pray because you don't feel like you need to pray. You've got this. Don't need God's help. 
or because of pride, you don't pray because you don't want to pray. If you're in the heat of an argument or some tension and conflict, I mean, honestly, how many of you, when you're in the middle of a fight, are thinking, oh, I should probably pray about this? You're not, right? That's the last thing on your mind, right? And it's because your pride is saying you win this argument, right? Oh, I know I'm right. You guys are like, oh, yeah, he's right. So pride can keep you from praying. Second problem, though, is because of pride, even when you do pray, you pray for the wrong reasons, And here's what I mean. God promises to bless you with all that you need. And he will meet your need to have, to feel good, and to matter. All right, Philippians 4, 19. Paul says, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And he will. All you have to do is ask, right? Pray. But when you pray, be careful. Don't let pride creep in there because then all of a sudden your prayer becomes this self-centered wish list. You don't want that. But the point is, if you want less arguments and less conflict and less tension in your life, pray more and pray with the right motives. Now, obviously, James talks about how pride can create conflict between us and other people. But this is also true. Pride can also lead to conflict with God. Pride is going to get you to fight against God's will, his direct uh, directions for your life, how he wants you to live. You're going to say, oh, no. And God, God won't stand for that. Actually, James says this. It's pretty interesting, very strong words. God opposes the proud. In, a, in short, God declares war on pride. Why? Because he knows it is the number one reason why conflict and tension and arguments happen in the first place. It's because of pride. Now, thankfully, James doesn't just give us the reasons behind arguments and conflict. He also gives us the remedy. And look what he says here in verses 6 and 10. He says, God gives grace to the humble. That's verse 6. And verse 10, humble yourself before the Lord. So based on what James is saying here, the remedy for arguments is humility. So if pride and if selfish desires, if pride and selfish desires are the cause of arguments that you have in your marriage and in with your family and with your relationships, then humility is the cure. Humility is the cure. And, and, and the first thing that James suggests with regards to this remedy is found in verse seven, where he says, submit yourselves then to God. In other words, first part of that remedy is yield. There it is. Nope, not there. There it is. Yield to God. Yield to God. Right? And if you want to keep arguments and if you want to keep um, uh, you know, conflict out of your relationships, instead of d- doing things, you know, running life your way, swallow the pride and yield to God. Yield to God's directions, God's way of relating to other people. Yield to God. Because here's the thing. Remember what I said in Roman, I'm sorry, in James 4, verse 1, talks about pride. And pride is what makes your desires that battle with you. That's that's pride at work. And when pride is battling inside of you, it's going to lead to conflict and it's going to lead to arguments. When you yield, however, when you yield to God's directives, when you yield to God's wisdom and how you should be relating to other people, when you yield to God. That need for arguments and conflict and tension goes way down because you're following God who knows how we should be relating to one another. And this is even cooler. Your relationships are filled with peace. 
In Colossians 3, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When Christ's peace is ruling within you, you will be at peace with others. So if you want to avoid arguments, if you want to diffuse conflict and tension that you might have with other people, remember the key is humility, right? And part of humility is just yielding to God. It's yielding to his wisdom and his peace and letting that rule your words and your actions as you relate to the people around you. Words and actions that, by the way, can help you avoid unnecessary arguments. So James goes on, though, and then this is the second half of verse 7. James goes on talking about a remedy for arguments. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So along with yielding to God, you also want to be wise to Satan, and here's why. When you are in conflict with another human being, it's so important that you remember, and it's hard to do this, but it's so important to remember that that other person with whom you are in conflict is not the enemy. The real enemy is the devil. That's why James says, resist the devil. Actually, that word resist is a Greek word. It's a war term, meaning brace yourself for impending attack. And man, oh man, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have to brace ourselves because Satan is going to constantly try to attack your marriage, stir things up, or your relationship with your kids, or with your parents, or with your friends and neighbors. You need, it's so important that you are alert to the devil. 2 Corinthians 2 says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. And just so you know, one of Satan's most successful schemes is playing on your pride, right? Especially when it's a wounded pride. And in your conflict, there's tension between you and the other person, and you're in conflict with this other person. Satan is just, he's whispering in your ear, and oh, Nellie, he's saying, oh, you you don't have to take this. Who do do they think they are? You assert yourself right now. You show them who's boss, right? Oh, man. And and Satan loves to do that, and he's so good at it. And that's why there's this warning in 1 Peter 5. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. And to help you resist him, Ephesians 6 encourages you this way, to use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus used God's word when he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, right? He he resisted Satan's attacks by quoting scripture. And, and, And that's what God wants you to use his word for as well. That's why we challenge you to memorize passages of Scripture. Remember that passage from Proverbs 13.10? Pride leads to arguments. Everybody say that with me. Pride leads to argument. Easy verse to memorize. And I cannot encourage you enough to take time to memorize. And here's why. Next time you find yourself in conflict or you feel tension starting to rise with maybe a family member or a spouse or a friend or whatever, you can just remember, oh yeah, pride, pride leads to arguments. It gets you to put the brakes on where you're going in this conflict. And you'll say, okay, why am I feeling so prideful right now? Maybe it gets you to stop and say, why am I only thinking of myself and not this other person's needs or desires right now? Right? Use God's word as a weapon, a weapon not just to defend, but also to attack, attack Satan's uh, temptations. Remember what James says? 
Resist the devil and he will what from you? Say it. Flee. Flee. He will. That's a promise. That's an incredible promise. If you want to avoid conflict and tension and arguments, yield to God, be wise to Satan, and third, grow closer to God. Every day, 10, 15 minutes, be in God's word or more. Every weekend, be here for worship in person. Get into a group Bible study. It could be a large group, small group. Those are things that can help you grow closer to God. And here's the point you don't want to miss. The more you spend time with God, the less time you're thinking about you. (laughs) And that way, your pride doesn't take control. And when you are not thinking so much about you, you have a tendency to think about how God wants you to relate to other people and how to place their needs and their desires ahead of your own. See how that works? Spending more time growing closer with God, spending more time with him can actually help you avoid conflict and arguments with other people. And and it can fill your life with peace. It can. Isaiah 26, you, Lord, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So yeah, spend time with God. Grow closer to God. James says it this way. I love this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Right? When you in the Spirit's power draw near to God in faith and in worship and Bible study and in prayer, he will draw near to you and overflow your life with his blessings and peace. But James keeps going. And he says this. In verse 8, he says, wash your hands and purify your hearts. So the fourth thing, part of this remedy to conflict is this. Be quick to ask for forgiveness. If you sense tension rising, if you think there's conflict that's starting to build, you recognize the part that you have played in this little conflict, and it might be just a little bit of a role that you played, but you probably played a role anyway. You recognize it, you admit it to the person with whom you were in conflict, and you immediately, you ask for their forgiveness. Seriously, do not dilly-dally around with this. Why? Because the longer you wait, the more conflict and tension builds. We don't want that. James says in verse 9, let there be tears for the wrong things you have done. So if you've been in an argument or if you are currently in conflict with somebody, you recognize the serious nature and you recognize the role that maybe your pride has played in it. And I realize that this conflict to you may not seem like it's that big of a deal. Oh, they'll get over it, okay? I'll tell you something. If they think that you've hurt them, if they feel that, then you've hurt them. And I realize also that they may be the primary cause behind the whole thing, right? The whole conflict. It's really, it's all about, it's, you know, they're, they're the primary fault behind it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You admit what you brought into it, okay? Because it takes two to tango, as the saying is, and then you ask for their forgiveness. And here's the key. You want to be the, take, you want to be the one that takes the first step, okay? Listen to me. You want to be the first, you want to be the one that takes the first step. That's God's desire for you, to take that first step. So maybe this week, maybe this week you need to send an email, shoot a text, maybe make a phone call. I don't don't know what needs to happen. But if there's some conflict going on, or if it's been, take the first step and be quick to ask for forgiveness, okay? And while you're at it, be quick to ask for God's forgiveness too. 
Yep. Because if you are in conflict with this other person, if there is arguments going on, uh, chances are you've got your pride and your selfish desires at work. So just admit it and confess it and repent of it to God. And, you know, James says in verse 10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So admit your mistakes and your failures and your pride and then trust that God, because of his grace in Jesus Christ, he will lift you up back into a forgiven and restored relationship with him. He will do that. Because even though your love for other people can kind of come and go and it's kind of weak, God's love is consistently strong. And if you want proof of that love, just look at a cross. Because on the cross, you'll see where Jesus sacrificed his love, his life for you. On the cross, you'll see where Jesus allowed himself to be nailed to pay the punishment for your sin and to save you from an eternity in hell. Look to the cross, because there you will see God's unconditional love. There you will find God's unconditional grace. Ephesians 2 says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Be quick to go to God. Ask for his forgiveness, all right? And and then trust it because Jesus died for you. He will be faithful and gracious and forgive you. You know, when James wrote these words 2,000 years ago, and as we study them today, I don't think there's really any doubt that the point James is making is that when it comes to conflict and tension with other people, the key is humility, right? It's humility, And Paul echoes this in Philippians 2. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's all pride stuff. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, notice what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say, ignore your interests. He's simply saying, don't forget to look out for the interests of the other people around you too. right, if you want to avoid conflict and tension, pay attention to them as well. In fact, James goes on, I'm sorry, Paul goes on and says, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. So if you want to avoid arguments and conflict and tension, have an attitude like Jesus. Trust God to meet your needs and let Christ's love and peace and kindness and and gentleness live in you and flow through you. It works. It works. Try it. So let me challenge you in a couple of ways. First, let me challenge you to recognize your role in your conflicts and arguments. When tensions are high between you and somebody else, pause and step back and say, okay, what role am I playing in this, this conflict? And admit it to that other person and be quick to ask forgiveness. Okay. Second, connect with God by memorizing his word. Maybe it's Proverbs 13.10. Anybody remember what that is? Pride leads to arguments. Yeah, it's all pride, 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 pride. Learn that. Fill your heart and your mind, though, with God's word. Spend time connecting with him in prayer. Those things will help you resist the devil and enjoy a life in relationships that are filled with peace. And then third, learn the remedies James offers for arguments. If you seriously want to avoid being in conflict with other people, Remember, the remedy is humility. And with a humble heart and humble attitude, recognize the value of yielding to God, being wise to Satan, growing closer to God, and being quick to ask for forgiveness. Amen? Yeah, we can do this. All right, let's pray and let's ask for God's help. Let's pray. 
Lord, thank you for speaking to us through your word. It is so practical and so helpful, especially in these areas where we need it the most, in our relationships. Lord, use today's message from James to help us experience relationships that are filled with peace. Bless us so that we might experience less conflict, less strife, less arguing, and instead rejoice in relationships that are filled with much more joy and love. Lord, thank you for this series. Thank you for speaking to us through it. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' great name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks for taking the time to learn a little bit more about Royal Redeemer. We want you to be a part of our Royal Redeemer family here. May God richly bless you and guide you, and I truly look forward to seeing you soon.